welcome to the Recover You podcast with Kyleen and Patrick Terhune. It's here that we talk about sex addiction, betrayal trauma, mental, emotional, and physical health, faith, and anything and everything needed to recover you to your most authentic self that God created you to be. Hi, Patrick. Hi, Kyleen. I'm counting down with my fingers. Three, two, one. I here do we that go. all the time, <laughs> silently. Today, we have Ask Pat. Just kidding. We're going to, well, maybe I probably am going to have some opinions. I have too. no answers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, we're going to do a Q&A today. So I um, I have some questions that uh, I think are very common questions that we are going to answer today. And I think some of these are really going to be good to hear your perspective. Um, so let's just jump right in. Okay. All right. So first question. What do I do when my husband says he is deleting everything and turning his life over to God and wants to do better? So context, you find something, you confront your spouse, and this is the response that they give you. They're totally in, you know, totally feeling remorseful. Maybe they're crying. Um, They hate their addiction. They say, I'm having a conversion experience. I'm deleting all my apps. You don't have to worry. I'll never do it again. What do you do? Okay. So the first thing is you are, if, if, if there's a lot of emotion there, um, that's good. And if they're going through that, that's really great. But like Ronald Reagan said, you have to trust, but verify. And so, you know, the best way to, to, let's say there's a, a phone, he deleted everything off the phone. Well, get something on that phone to prevent him from going again. There's canopy software. There's all kinds of different software that can help you, or you can even, you, you can even go for a period of time. If he's, you know, you need that 90 day uh, sobriety piece to, to kind of get rid of the chemical cascade, as you were saying. So why not delete the all sort of internet access on the phone or on you know, unfettered internet access on the phone, on a laptop, anywhere get rid of those things because that's just going to help him recover a little bit more it really really is um so any of those things i'm not you know i'm never going to talk to the affair partner again you know whatever that that may be and they may be very very sincere but you have to develop a mechanism that actually backs that up and supports it so Mm -hmm. as sincere as they may be um, let's let's operate under the assumption that they're sincere Mm -hmm. about it if it truly is an addiction and there is no further barrier about 14 days in, 21 days in, there's a strong possibility that they're going to return to that behavior. Mm-hmm. As far as finding God, um, you know. We have a whole episode on yeah, spiritual well, bypassing. You know, just because you find God doesn't mean that you you don't sin. And so, yeah, or, or you don't do For bad real. things. So, you know, that, that's wonderful. That's part of, part of that, that process that you go through in life as you get closer and closer to Christ and, and things like that. But it's not without mistakes and, and things that you misunderstand mm-hmm. and do and stuff like that. And you're, you know, you're filled with rage sometimes and temptation and all of these different things. So you have to really put concrete steps in place. And I think about that. Had I, had I, you know, had you not taken, you know, I think the first week I didn't take my phone with me. Um, 
at some point, oh gosh, at yeah, some point in there, you smashed my laptop. Um, you <laughs> Best know, thing I ever did. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, we didn't, you didn't have your phone with you for a while. Right. And then we replaced your phone mm-hmm. for various reasons. Yeah. Then we had blockers. So you still right. don't have access to Safari on your phone. Right. The laptop you use at your work is, has really strong blockers on it. So you can use the internet, but you can't access anything. Yeah. yeah. There's like so many safety mechanisms. Right. So it's like, yeah, it's like, Great. If he's sincere, that's awesome. And it's not that we don't believe that they that he wants to quit. And most people can't on their mm-hmm. own. So what steps are you taking to make sure that what or what steps is he taking right. to assure you that what he is saying is actually true? Right. What verification do you have that he is being honest? You are you gonna follow up on this? Yeah. Are is there any sort of accountability after this conversation? You know. And yeah, like we've talked about the whole spiritual bypassing thing and and the involvement of God in your recovery process, because he certainly absolutely is. And it's true. There um, are stories of, you know, I had a conversion experience and I never smoked a cigarette again or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, absolutely possible. And once you understand that you have a tendency towards something, why would you not protect yourself against it in the future? Right. And it's just like anything. I, and I, and I, I guess I try to do this, take it away from the sex addiction side. If somebody tells you that they're the best pilot in the world or whatever, well, show me. You know what I mean? Show me what that is. I can I can do a... Uh, I can do a, 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 I'm not going to get too technical here. So <laughs> I almost went in back into aviation land, but I mean, if I can do this maneuver, you know, to standard better than anybody. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's not enough that you just say it, mm-hmm. show me. Yeah. And so that's I mean, the whole point. Be so callous to say to the betrayed partner, don't believe anything he says, but I kind of want to say to the betrayed partner, don't believe because just because statistically what, what, what this is saying um, I'm deleting everything. I'm never going to do it again. That sort of response statistically is not true. Right. And it's not because he's lying per se. And that's, you know, but it's just not usually reality. There's detox that has to happen. There's and, process. And, you, ha- and yeah. you have to help him with that, with that detox. Yeah. And so just being like, I want both of you to have the education to know, great. If he sincerely doesn't want to do this anymore, get involved, mm-hmm. you know, yep. you get, get working on the tools, get the blockers, get the, start talking deeply about this, dig in, dig into the reasons that he got into it, you know, really have conversations around this. This someone comes and says, I found pornography and he goes, I'm, I'm converting and I'm deleting everything. And I'm, you know, and because here's the, here's the catch here. This is what's so sly about this to me. This is so, he may not even mean to, but it's so manipulative. See what I'm doing. I'm deleting my apps. Cool. Can you just add them back on? Right. Can right. you rebuy yeah. them? But it's like, see, look, here's the proof. I'm deleting these. I'm never going to do it again. This is the action I'm taking, right? Mm-hmm. That is not action. Right. I mean, it is, but it's not when it yeah. comes to actual. There's there's more healing. to it. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's, like there's what? What's going to stop you from a week later when you're stressed out downloading the app again because you've already paid for the subscription? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, that's 100%. Sure, he might be telling the truth, but absolutely follow up on this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Question number two. What do I do if I think he has an addiction, but I don't have proof? So let's even take this a step further. What if someone has had a conversation with their partner, their partner has admitted, yes, sometimes I look at pornography, 
The spouse is now concerned that there might be something deeper, but they have absolutely no evidence for it. So I think I think is in any sort of relationship, you have to start with communication. You have to kind of if you're if you're feeling that way, you have to go talk to your 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 uh, your partner. And and if the partner says, "Well, no, we're not going to talk about it," well, then that could, that could be a red flag. If the partner says, "Hey, good point. Let me take you through everything and let me show you. Here's my browser history. It's not deleted. It's you know all of these, and they're really open and honest mm-hmm. about going through all of that. Mm-hmm. Then that's a better thing, right? You may find that you know we talked about this a little bit where I was in denial and I didn't understand the full scope of it. But you and you may find that that the person may say, well, no, I don't have an addiction. You go, yeah, but this is every other day, four hours a day or whatever. And it's like, no, it is an addiction. So I think I think it all depends on the the level of of open and honest communication. Well, let's just start with this. Let's just start with this assumption. Okay, you are not okay with pornography in your marriage, Mm -hmm. period. You find out that your your spouse has admitted, yes, I occasionally, let's say they say, I occasionally look at pornography. A little versus a lot doesn't matter. It's all the same thing. Yeah. I mean, you have a personal boundary for the relationship. Right. And that boundary has been crossed. Yeah. Um, and so don't be afraid to have those conversations is what I'm right, saying. Right. And so some a, a lot of times, like in this specific situation, for example, I think he has an addiction. I know he has or occasionally does look at pornography, but I but there's a fear of accusing him of something without proof. Yeah. You know, I was I just thought of this as you were talking. So you know, there's always to me, there's already proof. Right. He, he admitted he's looking, yeah. so why is right? Like so there there's there's two things that that in, in my mind, there's two tracks to this. And I always talk about this at 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 work when you're coaching somebody and this i think the same thing applies here no matter what you're trying to do either um fire the person promote them make them better the process is always the same it starts with sitting down and saying this is my assessment Mm -hmm. this is where you need to get better Mm -hmm. right so and sometimes the person you think you're going to fire takes that 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 assessment and turns into a great thing and they turn into this great story at work where that yeah there was one time i was actually in bed same thing in your marriage. So if you go, listen, I don't want to lose my husband or, you know, because I don't want, I like being in this relationship with this guy or, um, or maybe we, we get divorced. The process has to be the same. You sit down, you say, you still these need are my, the information. right. These are my expectations. Mm-hmm. And this is what I want out of this relationship. I want honesty from you. I have these concerns. Can you address these concerns? Yeah. And then you evaluate whether those concerns are being addressed wholly. Well, and right? I feel like, wholly. I feel like the fear of, of quote unquote accusing without having proof is mm-hmm. not. You do have proof. They've admitted they look at it. Right. Your boundary right. has been crossed. What mm-hmm. more, quote unquote, proof do you need to take this really seriously and have conversations about it? Correct. Right. Like Correct. if it's happening and and again, we've talked about this before, most likely whatever they're telling you is yeah. is layer one of 20. And there, yeah, right. There's there's reasons to that. Number one, you you never really there's denial on how much it is. Pornography has an addictive factor to it, especially you throw in there in with technology. And now you've got somebody who says, I only do it once a week and it's three times a week, or I only do it once a month and it's four times a month. Yeah. So. Um, so just to get really practical here, though, some things that you can do from the spouse side is just ask yourself or ask, eventually ask your partner if you don't, do I have access to all the bank accounts? 
Do I have access to his email? Do I have access to his social media, right? Those are some very, very common places that you're going to find evidence of this behavior. So if you are, if you have access to his social media and you're looking at his Instagram and all of a sudden he's following all of these um, Instagram accounts, or you kind of look in his message area, it's not like reading all of his messages, but you open that area up. And you see all of a sudden, oh, like he's engaging with Instagram model stories or he's messaged some of them or, you know, things that you would find inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Clue number one, you start scrolling down his Instagram page and there's all of a sudden these, what was the case for you? Um, well, that's where you were finding these advertisements for the chat um, and the the uh, cyber sex apps. And so, you know, the the algorithm works in our favor, in that whatever we click on, whatever we watch, whatever we repeat visit, whatever we say out loud, even sometimes, whatever we Google search, the app or the um, algorithm then pulls up advertisements for this. And so if you are seeing a lot of advertisements or things on Facebook or on uh, on their TikTok or on their Instagram that bother you, mm-hmm. it most likely is pointing to some sort of patterned behavior because those repeat behaviors go right into the algorithm because you have said by clicking on something, liking on something, watching it multiple times, Googling something, that you're interested in more of that. Mm-hmm. And so if you're seeing that, if you have access to their social media, it's a great tool to get some information. Yeah. And spam isn't always the best for this because we all get spam. But as a female, I will say, I don't get like a lot of, if any sexual spam, I really, I really don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, what you put your email into, if you're going to specific websites, you are more likely to have a large amount of sexualized yeah. spam yeah. in your email folder. And so right. these are all ways that, you know, well, and, and here's the thing. If you don't have access to his phone or his social media or his email or whatever, and you ask for it because you have some concerns and he's not willing to give it to you, mm-hmm. that is a really red flag. You know, it's interesting. And, it, and this isn't about control because one of the things that wives get really mm-hmm. worried about is, well, I don't want to, again, I don't want to accuse him unjustly. I don't want to him to feel like I'm trying to be you know, controlling or mean or anything. It's not about that. If you have a justified fear and your partner wants to make you feel safe, this is a, and they can sit, next to you while you look through their stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But think about the opposite. Would you have any, as the innocent party, do you have any issue with your husband going into your email? Do you have any issue with your husband scrolling through your Facebook page, Mm -hmm. right? It shouldn't be something that's triggering or that you get defensive about. You know, if you you don't have anything to hide, there shouldn't be an issue. And so if you have a reason to believe that something's going on and they don't want you to go into these places, that is a very strong piece of information for you to act on. You know, as as an aside, you know, after I cleaned up and I've got nothing to worry about, you know, occasionally, you know, you're like, hey, can I see your phone or whatever? Like, look at pictures. And like, I remember having to, this is just a a side to this, to this podcast, like getting a little nervous, right? Because it it was like that I would have been so nervous before. But then telling myself, like, there's nothing to worry about. Mm -hmm. And it's a really reassuring thing. It's kind of like a backup of the work. And since recovery, well, yeah, since since, since recovery, you just hand the phone over, Mm -hmm. hand the phone back and go, okay. Like, you don't even say anything. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's a really interesting, interesting thing that once you're clean, you know, how how sweet that feels. Well, I would say because you never 
um, even when you were in your addiction, you never hid your phone from me or mm-hmm. in the, in the sense that if I asked for it, you would give it to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would even say like, you know, if you guys are, let's say you're not going through addiction and betrayal and you're just listening to this mm-hmm. podcast because you find it interesting, maybe that's something that you do because I had technically, if I wanted it access to your phone, you would have handed it to me, but I didn't look right. I don't right. think there's anything wrong with periodically looking it's not that you don't trust your partner Mm -hmm. it's that this is a really serious issue that destroys marriages over 50 percent of of divorces cite pornography as one of the contributing factors um you know and you want to protect each other why Mm -hmm. why wouldn't you periodically just go in and kind of look at things right like what is there to hide so had i done that what like five six seven years ago and been like hey let me look at you know, your apps, let me look at your Facebook, let me look at your email. Had I searched for these things, I would have found it so much sooner. Right. And should I have, should I not have? I don't know. Yeah. But I'm just saying if your husband hands over his phone willingly, that's not necessarily a clear nothing is going on sign because right. you would have handed it. You did the day I found out, handed it over willingly. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so right. yeah. So there, yeah. Look, look, be willing to look into all of mm-hmm. that, I think is if you are thinking, well, I need proof, like yeah. if you ask for access to that and it's denied, that's enough information for me mm-hmm. personally. Yeah. Okay. Actually, last question. Number three, how do I navigate a D-Day anniversary <laughs> and do you celebrate anniversaries? So D-Day being discovery or disclosure day, um, you know, when it all kind of was found out, like navigating that is really hard for people um, when it comes up year one, year two, year three. I tell you, this is a, uh, I think this is very much a couple specific, both parts of that question is very couple specific. So, you know, therefore, um, I didn't, certainly D-Day was stressful, traumatic for both people i you know i think you you know it's it's always you know and, and i had to come to grips with this like the the behavior itself was traumatic on you but it was also traumatic on me um d-day was tra- very traumatic for you it's also very traumatic for me and so like how do you approach that how do you view it how do you go through it and i think you know if i if i could say something like it just depends. And sometimes it takes time. You may, yeah, you may view D-Day in the first year as the worst thing in the world that's ever happened to you. You want to be alone. Over time, as the relationship improves, you may go, you know what, we're going to not necessarily view it as a celebration, but a moment where, where honesty really came back into our relationship. And you know what I mean? Like it really depends on, on the perspective that you can gain from your, both your current situation and what that what that moment re- represented. So I feel like like I'm very proud of the fact that I've gone 936 days and that has a its origin in D-Day, right? You know, it really does. And so I'm very proud of that. Am I proud of D-Day? No, I'm not proud of D-Day. Um so I think I'll always kind of you know once January 31 February 1 rolls around every year I'm probably going to always think about it and go Man, it'll be one of those just constant reminders to me of man. I, I used to live a life that I did not like, and mm-hmm. that I was in hell, and and I don't anymore. Mm-hmm. And you know, as I think, as with most good people, you regret hurting people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You hope you do. Yeah. And so I regret hurting you. I regret taking us through this thing and Keegan through this thing, where he had to wonder what the heck was going, the uncertainty that I caused, mm-hmm. and the pain that I caused. You know, I, I always wish, but. 
I do view that. And even Keegan, I'll be like, hey, Keegan, I'm at, you know, 936 days. He'll be like, good job, dad. You know what I mean? So he's proud of me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And stuff like that. So as far as your wedding anniversary, once again, I. Well, let's stop. Let's just keep talking about D-Day. Let's okay. do that second. So, okay. so yeah, I would say actually the first year most likely will be the hardest, mm -hmm. partially because of like trauma, cellular memory in your body mm -hmm. responding, even if mentally, emotionally, you kind of feel like things have been going well, your body remembers what happened that day, right. which is just a fascinating thing. And so a lot of, a lot of times you may, even if everything's going fine in that period of time in your relationship and at home and everything, you may feel more anxiety or you may, you know, notice some more stress that week or things like that. And so I think being aware of that can take some of the edge off if it does happen because it's not as scary if you know what's happening. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you're taken off guard by that, you can really be thrown for a loop, right? Like I have a panic attack and you're like, what the heck? And then you're like, Oh, it's the day before D day last year, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I, you know, I would even say, you know, maybe even, come up with a couple different options for yourself. Do you want to do something positive or do you want to pretend like it's just every other day and just see what happens? Do you, you know, have a couple different plans based on how you feel? And then if you, uh, you know, communicate to your spouse, Hey, if I'm activated, if I'm stressed, like here are some ways that you can support me in the moment because I know all these tools, but I'm, in the moment, it's hard for me to remember them. Right. Um, and, and that way you can navigate it. I'm trying to actually remember what did we actually do? We went to Columbus. We were going to celebrate it there. And then I got sick and we came home. So we actually, we weren't going to celebrate. We just, it, we decided to take time because away. Because I, yeah, I was giving you the, uh, the one year coin and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. We did decide to take that's right. It was like a two or three day weekend, but then yeah. you got sick and we came back and it ended up being, yeah. So again, here's the biggest thing, I guess, when I'm saying have different options, you can always change your mind. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if you start, if you yeah. plan to do something and you don't like it or you feel icky or whatever, it ended up being in my mind, not good that you got sick, but it worked out that you got sick. I did not like that. I was not in a place to be on a trip in a hotel room with you at, at our one year of recovery. Like it just felt weird. It felt uncomfortable. I didn't like it. Yeah. It was not relaxing. Mm -hmm. Um, and now maybe, maybe it would have felt better. Had we been able to stay longer? I think it was literally less than 24 hours. You got a fever that night or whatever. Yeah, and then you were I like, we gotta go bad. home. Yeah. So we drove home, but be willing to just listen to your body and communicate to each other what's going on so that you can be there through it because it may be hard and it may be totally fine. You may, mm -hmm. you guys may be doing it in a great spot and it, your, your body takes it like any other day, or, you know, it may be really stressful and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, right. Just, you know, make sure you have different options set up for yourself, yeah. different safety plans, different communication, you know, be prepared to kind of, navigate that together the one thing i would i would encourage people is if if um year one you know you're really stressed out you don't know if by year 15 you go into this like you're still like you know falling to the ground and gnashing your teeth and i and i want to everybody can can recover the way but you, you gotta you gotta check in and say hey am i healing the way i should do i need a little bit more support if if those kinds of dates are really creating a vastly traumatic mm -hmm. emotional response in you it's okay if you have that response but i think remember both sides need to engage in healing and if 
at some point, you know, it should have less and less meaning to you as far as, as if, what it if is. If recovery is happening. If recovery is happening. And so I don't I don't ever want to shame anybody for having a, a, an overwhelming emotional response to something. I'm just saying, just keep that in mind as if it, you, you know, always It's like a relapse. Right. Massive right. triggers are like a relapse. You always look at that and There's go, something going on. What is yeah. underlying this? Right. What, what was the contributing factor? Right. And is it something that I can continue working on healing? Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what do we do for the second year? We did. We just moved past it. I think we did. Didn't do anything for it. Yeah. yeah. Just kind of like acknowledge. Actually, that it, was- it, it, it appears that you are starting to view it differently in a more positive way than I was actually. Cause you were like, you were kind of like, Hey, this is like, we've achieved something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I don't even want to talk about it. You know what I mean? So, so I think there's, that's been a, it, well, it's the rebuilding. Right. That's the time. It's the amount, in my mind, it's the amount of time that we have spent creating something new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now we, not everybody does this and it's not necessarily the quote unquote right way to do it. But, you know, we've talked about this a lot. I view it as like the old relationship, and the new relationship. So to me, that's the amount of time that we've spent building the new relationship. Right. Right. And so, so that's been, but you know, that also made me think, right. I was like, Oh, wow. Interesting. You know? And, and, and so kind of reframing. Yeah. So that, that's, that's good for, you know, both folks, you know, if, if you're doing that now, if it leads to, I mean, if it leads to divorce and, and split up, you, know, you always have to find your own ways to make sense out of things in a positive way that can help move you forward. You know what I mean? That, you that can reclaim of, the day. Or right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, go to a baseball game and say, Hey, it's baseball game day. Well, I yeah. guess no, nobody's playing baseball in February. <laughs> yeah, but um, as far as the, the anniversary, you know, that was probably one of the hardest things for me to hear from you was that you no longer wanted to celebrate it and that was that was really really difficult and and you know i think you even asked me one time and i was like well i kind of disagree with you but i understand like i want i I would never you know i'm not i'm not going to hand you something on that day like i'm just you know i respect you know what, what what you've done but i think i think as i continue to think about it you know once again, that's a couple related thing. The couple may decide that that's the day some that they're claim it. Yeah, some people reclaim it, and that's great, you know, and 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 you should. Um, and so, if, if that's what feels right for you, other couples will decide that that this is something that we're not going to celebrate. We are, but we are going to celebrate a new rebirth of of the relationship at some other point. You pick a date, you know. What, yeah, whatever we, that may um, be. We had that episode um, when shit hits the fan in your relationship and we kind of shared um, that, you know, summer, summer 2023, we had a significant period of stress and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about this the other day. I actually think what began the cascade, what was maybe the earliest trigger for that cascade of stress and um, tension and everything was that in June would have been our 10 year anniversary. Mm-hmm. And I had a, I had like a trauma response to that. Right. It was very, um, it was like a deep, deep grieving response mm-hmm. because that is a particular number and anniversary that um, in our, what you call it, previous marriage or whatever, before D-Day, I was so looking forward to the idea Mm-hmm. of a 10 year anniversary celebration or like just hitting that mark together and just like how in my mind it exemplified a positive relationship and it was just a huge milestone mm-hmm. and so what i was not expecting through recovery was the massive grief that came up when i realized we were moving past that date 
that I had thought would be such a celebration before. Mm -hmm. And that was really, really, really hard for me. But at the same time, I still feel, I may change my mind at some point, but I just have, you know, very much felt like that marks a relationship that was full of lies. And it it marked a commitment that I made to someone I didn't know. And now I know somebody different and I am committed to that person, Mm -hmm. but that's different. And, you know, it's like, okay, we're doing really, really well. Do we want to reclaim that day? All this kind of stuff. But you can, if you feel really good about it that. It has to be, yeah, you have but to you feel good about yeah, it. Yeah, but you don't have to. And it and it is okay to both be in a very good place relationally now and to have extreme grief about this thing that you thought that was wonderful that is gone. Right. Because that's reality. Yeah. And both of those can coexist. And so that was, I was thinking about that recently. I thought, I, you know, I think that was actually the initial trigger. Mm-hmm. And then other things and other stressors that happened then just sort of cascaded from that. Mm-hmm. But I think that was the lead into summer 2023 was, oh, yeah. this is more impactful on a subconscious and a physical level mm-hmm. than I anticipated it to yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I I had read somewhere that like when you have, you know, relationships when they go through infidelity and in, you know of, of any sort, um, basically face this this moment and one of the best ways to move forward is to recognize that it was a pre versus a post. And you know, event or whether whether it was an actual single event of infidelity or discovery or or, or whatever that may be. And so you have this choice to say we are going to reclaim the marriage or reclaim the relationship in and it'll actually be better because there's more open and honest communication and people you know you, you spend if you're if you're two really committed people post discovery you spend so much time talking about things and mm-hmm. you know what i mean you spend so much time opening up about your hurt and how you feel and all of those things that maybe you never would have done and so the relationship, and then you can use that to catapult the relationship into a what could be a wonderful setting, mm-hmm. right? A very wonderful setting, full of empathy, full of understanding, full of openness um, yeah, that I, otherwise may not have existed. No, it's true. I mean, I really, really, really thought that, um, you know, we had a brilliant relationship before discovery. Mm-hmm. And that was part of the reason that the emotional fall for me was so great was because I just felt so blindsided, like mm-hmm. what's wrong? Nothing's wrong. Everything's good. Yeah. And I was so happy. Um, and, and with all of, and I really held on to that for a long time because it was just such a thorn, mm-hmm. you know, to yeah. feel like it was what I felt like was so beautiful was destroyed so grossly, yeah. you know? And so that was really hard. Um, now it's interesting because, looking at that before discovery relationship, I never would have thought that it was shallow, but the way we interact now is so different. Oh yeah. 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 So, and so I do think there's a lot of things about this version of our relationship. That's like way better. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really, really, really feel like I know you and I feel like you really know me. And I think even going through the grieving process and the trauma recovery process and all this kind of stuff, I have showed up for you in ways that never would have happened without me knowing that you had an addiction. Mm -hmm. And you have showed up for me in ways that 
I mean, when I have panic attacks or, you know, I experience different things or I'm processing different experiences or, or grieving, you know, um, you show up in, in ways that it's like a deeper version of yourself mm-hmm. than before. Yeah. And, um, you know, you'd never, ever, ever want to wish no, any no. of this on anybody. Right. But you do, when you do go through it and you are faced with this, there is the potential when you do the work to come out on the other side and go, oh no, like this is a better relationship because we're better people. Right. This is a better relationship because we talk more. This is a better relationship because there are no secrets that are festering in the background. This is a better relationship because I actually fully know who you are. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I fully, fully know your life. Yeah. Well, and, 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 you know, the, the most intoxicating healing thing that anybody can ever experience in their life is two things to be fully known and seen and to be loved. Mm-hmm. And you put those two things together with the same person. And that that's a really incredible thing. And you didn't know that out of me. You know what I mean? You loved a part of me, mm-hmm. not all of me. And so I see in the part I right. was given. Right. Right. Yeah. right. yeah. And so you didn't love all of me. And so, um, and I guess, you you know, you could argue that I didn't love all of you, you know, either. But so now we've, this thing pulled us open and exposed us both, you know, in, in, in you know, me, certainly from a behavioral standpoint. And here we are 936 days later and we love each other and we want this to get better. And so at the end of the day, who cares what date you celebrate that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Who cares what that is? You know, because it, it that is an insignificant piece. And yeah, I think I think if you guys have different perspectives or feelings about it, you know, be respectful to the one th- that is uh, how do I say this? Like feeling more of the trauma effect. So, for example, yeah. like you and I had differing perspectives on the anniversaries, but mm-hmm. you sort of deferred to me because yeah. of the pain that it caused, right? right? And so there may be any variety of different perspectives and feelings about these dates from either partner. Mm -hmm. And so just be willing to have those conversations and to support each other through it because there might be an addict out there who goes, no, that's like a celebratory anniversary for me. And then for the betrayed partner, they go, "Um, that's the worst day of my life. Or it might be the exact opposite. The addict goes, that that was the worst day of my life. I never want to think about it. And the betrayed partner goes, this is the first year of you being in sobriety. I want to celebrate, right? So like there's any yeah. number. Yeah. Of we used to do cool trips. Let's go do a cool trip again because I right. know you and stuff. Right. Like and yeah. so, yeah. So just be willing to have those conversations. And if there's any trepidation about the date for either partner, you know, be willing to support each other through that and work through it and respect that. And again, the first year is probably always going to be the most difficult because you don't really know how to anticipate it. Well, and you're not really in recovery either. Right. And that's a big piece. Yeah. 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 And and not taking too many, not making too many huge decisions that first Mm -hmm. year, you know, and then that way you can navigate. And then, you know, every year after that's going to be different. And as you continue recovery and healing, you're going to become stronger and hopefully happier as a couple couple and developing new patterns and new habits and, right. um, you know, taking new trips. And, you know, there may be something that a date magically pops up and you're like, Oh, I want to use this to mark this. Maybe a new experience that you have together yeah. on a particular date. And then that becomes the date. And it might not, you might just randomly pick a date or you might reclaim your anniversary. There is, I guess, to answer these two questions about D-Day and anniversary, there is no right or wrong. Mm-mm. There is no right or wrong way to do this. And it's a hundred percent dependent on 
your trauma, your beliefs, your feelings, your experience as a couple, and then what you guys decide, how you decide to navigate it together. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this podcast interesting or helpful, it would mean so much if you leave a five-star review or post a screenshot and share on social media. We are on a mission to share the message of recovery and you can help get the word out. If you know a friend who could use this podcast, please share it.